Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a good week or weekend, depending when you're listening to it. Uh, you know, hopefully it's a little bit nicer weather. We're, you know, we just dealt with a snowstorm. This is the most snow I've seen in Winnipeg in years. It's absolutely ridiculous how much snow is on the ground right now. So, nonetheless, CWE on January 20th is making its way out to Grand Prairie. February 4th, they're hosting another iPay-Per-View. You can hit up their Facebook page or Twitter for all the details. But leading up to that, a few weeks ago, I was joined by Kevin O'Doyle. He joins me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. And we we talk about those upcoming shows. We talk about, uh, you know, him tagging with AJ Sanchez, we talk about his casket match with Jay Walker, which will go down in Winnipeg wrestling history as one of the uh, one of the matches. I think it definitely stands out to many, many people. But so we get into all of that sort of stuff. But we kick things off right away. Kevin jumps into it. We talk about his introduction to wrestling. So right now on the Grade Maker Wrestling Podcast, Kevin O'Doyle. Um, I was first introduced to wrestling uh, over at my uncle uncle and aunt's place or my god their their place okay and uh also at, at my other aunt's and uncles um because they used to have all the tapes mm-hmm. of like saturday main event and uh some of the coliseum videos so we used to watch that quite a bit mm-hmm. and uh that's how i was introduced to it, it was something that whenever i went over to uh their place we would watch it and as a, a kid growing up and you're watching, did you have any favorites, ones that stood out to you? I always liked Jake the Snake. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, Arn Anderson. Yeah. Um, Hulk Hogan, obviously. Um, Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. So. Now, you mentioned Jake the Snake. What was it? about him because he definitely had an aura around him, you know, something that it stood out. I always liked the way how he would move like a snake. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when he would uh, set the person, when you set someone up for the DDT, you'd see him sort of slither in and out of the ring. You'd slip, you'd see him slither to the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I always remember like when I think of Jake, the snake, the him scaring Andre, the giant. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I mean, here, yeah, here, oh, here's a, here, here's the giant, okay, the man who's not afraid of anything, and then he put he slides the on it was on Saturday night main event. He did they did it at the Rumble too, but you know, that first time where you just see the just the look of terror in his face, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking it's like, ooh, he found something that this giant is afraid of, so. Mm-hmm. And even you would see the clips afterwards because I remember like that's something that's almost ingrained in your your sort of memory. It was the look on Andre's face, like here's this larger than life character, but then he's deathly afraid of Jake and the snake. Yeah, that snake. And and then the way it carried on from also like to his promos as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he never really yelled. He didn't he didn't have to yell. He just had that that the tone and cadence of his voice when he wasn't a heel, you could get behind him and, and even when he was a heel you could still get behind him it was just like that like where every in a time when everyone's shouting or, or using uh you know managers and that he's talking calmly like uh, what i'm gonna do mm-hmm. so well you had mentioned when he turned heel and even I still vividly remember when he was a heel, you know, uh, and that feud with Macho Man where Macho's tied mm-hmm. up in the ropes and you saw the snake clamp onto Macho's arm and just like the the terror at ringside, you know, you had Piper running down there trying to help and all the mm-hmm. officials. That was something that, you know, it wasn't Jake being like this overbearing, powerful guy, but the meticulous and just like the thought that he put into it. 
so well not only that but the emotion that went behind it too i mean because you could you could you could tell from the audience that they knew that there was just, there was something unique going on mm-hmm. just how calm they were just like there's a there's a, almost like this aura of silence like did i really just watch that mm-hmm. so now you grow up you know you're a fan from back then so you, yep all the the older before the attitude era sort of stuff at what point did you think that this was something that i want to get into uh i wanted to get into it when i was in elementary school okay and it was something i always said that i wanted to do and then unfortunately you know like when you're as you're growing up you listen to the wrong people or you you know hear people go oh well that's dumb or that's stupid or you know you're you know get your head out of the clouds or whatever and and i didn't until much later on in life, but I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I don't look back. I, I normally don't look back on things, but I mean, I, I'm glad I, I got into it when I did. Mm-hmm. Now, how long have you been? When did you first start training? I should ask. 2016. 2016. So 2015, 16. Okay. So you're going on about seven years now. Um, yep. At what point did you step foot into the training facility because you were trained by AJ Sanchez, correct? I was, uh, it was, I believe January of 2016. Okay. Around that. Okay. Um, I was, uh, working with Bobby Collins mm-hmm. at our, at our shoot job. And, uh, he, I went to a couple of shows he had and, I helped him set up and tear down the ring. And then he said, well, you know, if you come and help me set up one day, I'll, you know, I'll show you some things. And then I went in there and he said, you, know, you did pretty good. So uh, there's this training school if you're interested. And then I signed up for it and then just sort of went from there. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, being a fan, first and foremost, because I know growing up, like when I was in high school, I thought to myself, like, I want to be a wrestler. You know, it was sort of the high school, like, you know, it was the popularity of like wrestling at the time and thinking like, this is something I could do. Um, obviously I never got into it, but it was always, you know, the back of my head and years later, people would always ask like, Oh, did you ever get into it? It was like, never did you, you're, you know, living that now. So you've stepped foot, you're in training, your initial thoughts when, you know, you're in the training. Uh, my initial thoughts were, you know, it, at first I thought, okay, well maybe this would have been easier, you know, when I wasn't over 300 and 50 pounds but i just decided no you know what i'm gonna stick through it i'm gonna i i i signed up for this training mm-hmm. uh, it's yes there are, it's there some days are a little bit more sore than others but you know what? i want i want to see i want to stick through this mm-hmm. so, so. you trained by aj and i mean you two eventually formed a tag team together yes so what's it like your teaming with the you know the guy essentially who sort of trained you you're always learning teaming with him what what's that like for you uh it's continuing training mm-hmm. i mean uh one of the things is when you're trained by or when you're partner with your trainer is when you do really well you hear about it but when you mess up <laughs> he's right there to, to sort of help you along you go uh, you know maybe you should have done this or you really need to work on this or or that sort of thing. So do you, do you feel that because you've been put in that position where you do get to train with him, that you're, you know, been able to develop a, your skill set more than say someone else who started at the same time? I think also that, but it's also, I've put myself out there to go and do more shows, mm-hmm. to go and work, to go out of the province, go out of the city and cross the country and and try and get in as many shows as I can. Mm-hmm. You've been a part of many of the CWE tours, and you've also wrestled for other you know promotions in Saskatchewan, and Alberta, and such. I mean, you're going across. You're basically putting your you know real life on hold to do those shows because they're you know usually, I think like 25 shows in like 20 days or so. Um, yeah, it must take a toll on your body though. It, it does, but you know, you, I kind of, I knew that going into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in today's day and age, everyone who goes into wrestling knows that there is a price that pays for, for doing it. Um, 
But the thing is, is I also played football for years and played rugby and all that. So my body's taken a bit of a toll from other things as well. So, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the individual has to determine whether or not they think it was worth it or not. And for me, it is mm-hmm. because of all of the experience I've, that come with it, not just, you know, winning titles and that, but it's who you meet and who you've got, who I've got to, you know, travel with and be in the ring with. Mm-hmm. and well being a part of some of those tours you have been able to share the ring with some incredibly talented wrestlers uh were there any tours that have you know stood out to you so far Ooh. um well every tour has had its own unique experiences like for example uh the first um the first tour i did uh, like quite a bit more on was the jake the snake tour okay so because i had done i did the uh like the winnipeg show for the nikita koloff one but it was the jake the snake one where i really went out and ventured out and on to do more shows mm-hmm. and then from everyone since then i've just picked up a little bit more and i picked up a little bit more and 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 so and well, how, how you have it from there um and like I said, everyone has been a little bit different. Like, for example, uh, in the Jake the Snake tour, uh, I got advice from Jake mm-hmm. from one of my matches. Uh, the Ron Simmons tour, Ron would sit at the curtain and watch everyone's match and give them feedback from it. Uh, the Brutus tour was the first one where I had gone out to Alberta. The... Uh, psychosis tour the 10th anniversary one was the year that all those vehicles there was non-stop vehicle issues Mm -hmm. i actually had to drive out and bring a a truck to uh golden bc and then went all the way out to uh toronto okay so and then for the hoovy one it was uh, getting to wrestle hoovy and you know have a lot of fun with him Mm -hmm. so and I mean, when you have, you know, someone of the stature of Ron Simmons, he's sitting there, you know, watching through the curtain, being able to pick his brain afterwards, that really must, you know, almost give a boost of confidence to yourself as well, because you've got a legend has himself offering advice and tips just to improve yourself. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And it's, it's one of the things I tell people is, you know, if you want to get better, you know, you got to be willing to put yourself out there. I mean, uh, Ron Simmons is just a true gentleman. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you were, to, he is the definition of a gentleman. Um, and he's got, I mean, his experiences. I mean, the first uh, African American WCW heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, all his work with the acolytes, he was uh, helped with their developmental for a while. So, to to have him sit and look over your match and go, I liked what you were doing here, but you know, try try this next time, mm-hmm. or you know. This, this was really good here. I really enjoyed this. You know, don't do this again. I mean, normally you have to pay for that mm-hmm. luxury. This was something that you were getting just by being part of the show. Mm-hmm. So. And I mean, you have, I'm sure it's happened on shows, maybe not necessarily ones that you've been a part of, but where there might be a guest, you know, a special attraction where, they're not offering any advice. They're just there to do their bit and that's it. But you being a part of these tours and getting the advice, getting to work with someone like Hoovy in the ring, like all it's doing is helping everyone around them. Yes. And it was a real eye opener because, you know, because if you would have told me when I was in grade eight, that, you know, years from now, you're going to be in the ring with psychosis and Hoovy Carrera and, and uh the warlord and all that Mm -hmm. i would have said nah nah you're i don't know what you're on but (laughs) no it's uh, it definitely says something i mean especially for yourself uh i remember seeing you know when i first got back into going to shows so back in like 2016 i think i I was able to see you at a pcw show and seeing you from uh 2016 to seeing you now i mean the improvements you've made and just how far you've come along is incredibly impressive and it's definitely something like to be said for what you've done for yourself taking everything in and just working harder at it 
Yeah, I mean, uh, well, one of the reasons why I decided to go and do more shows was because I had done, I had a match with, uh, when I was wrestling with uh, Canadian wrestling or Caveman's World Amplified. Uh, that was the company that was training me with, okay. like, with AJ. Um, I had a singles match and it wasn't, it was an okay match, but, you know, my opponent carried me a lot. Mm-hmm. And so after the match, when we were talking, he said, you know, if you really want to get better, you know, you're going to have to go out and do more shows. And that's when I decided, yeah, I want to go do more shows. Mm-hmm. So. Now, I know like for myself, uh, I've always had trouble putting myself out there. If you're going out there trying to get more shows, doing more shows, is it tougher putting, do you find it tough putting yourself out there? At times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it sort of depends. I mean, sometimes if you know like a lot of the people that are there you know it's a little bit easier but you know when you're new going into a locker room sometimes it can be a little intimidating Mm -hmm. but i normally try to get over that by just trying to you know engaging with people you know so um you you've teamed with aj quite a bit i mean you guys have held the cw tag titles for I mean, over a year, it seems you've teamed with JL Spiker and PCW. Do you have a preference to tag team wrestling as opposed to singles wrestling? Um, it depends. It depends on what, where I am uh, on the card. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some benefits to being in a, in a tag team. I mean, but there's also some, uh, a lot of benefits for being, you know, in the singles. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm, I'm happy to do either or. For sure. So. Now, I mean, you obviously in, you know, different partners, different situations. Um, what are some of the biggest takeaways that you've been able to get, you know, working with different partners or, you know, working with AJ? Well, when I'm working with AJ, I know I have someone to, to when I'm bouncing an idea off of, we'll go, uh, no. Mm-hmm. that's where we're not doing that one sometimes uh if it's someone else that's either at my experience level or, or a little bit lower will sometimes call some bad spots in that or, or call some bad ideas but mm-hmm. you know the only way you can learn is by making you know mistakes so yeah oh definitely now i mean with cwe the weekly adrenaline shows during i mean dealing with covid you guys have been doing you know the empty shows you're someone who definitely feeds off of the, the crowd reaction, you know, them booing you going after you. Has it been difficult working those shows without having the crowd? Very much so. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I've, I've worked some shows before where there's been a very low audience. So I just try and, and focus like, you know, remember, okay, what did I do when I was at this show where there was only like eight people? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know a lot of people have had that issue. I mean, because you do, it, it is a, a form of, uh, it's an environment where you really do need the crowd behind you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and you can see that. I mean, when you were watching uh, WWE, like when they had their empty arenas, you could tell some of them haven't had an empty show for a while. So, mm-hmm. you know, you find yourself looking, you know, to try and get a reaction. And oh yeah, there's no one there. Mm-hmm. So so with something like that, what's been your biggest takeaway from doing those shows? Like how has it improved your, uh, yourself in the ring? Um, what it's done, it's caused me to focus more on when, when it is allowed to focus more on the opponent. Mm -hmm. So to not always rely on like when the, the fans there or not. So and uh, to focus on what can I do to get a, a good reaction, mm-hmm. you know, from the person in the ring. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been a part of some incredible matches. Uh, you've had a feud with Jay Walker that I think will stand the test of time. The casket match you had with him was mm-hmm. brutal, incredibly entertaining, violent. I still remember you slamming him down onto one of the caskets, the thud that his body made. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the build up to that and just the match itself. Sure. So uh, our feud started in the summer. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I was the enforcer for the gentlemen's club. And uh, it sort of developed into a, you know, me, you know, pushing him around because he wanted to, to fight the members of the club. And then I was always, uh, you know, taking my cheap shots at him and then eventually just build to the casket match. And, and then for the night of the casket match, it, it was, it was a unique experience because mm-hmm. that was my first casket match. And unfortunately, when you're in a match that was made famous by the undertaker, you've got a l- big shoes to fill. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't even think, I don't even think you can come close to filling some of those shoes. So the, the big thing that we took away from it was, is I don't want this to be like a, uh, a knockoff of, you know, Undertaker versus Kamala or Undertaker versus Kane or any of that. Let's just have our own version of it. Let's just do our thing with it. I mean, we did take a couple spots here and there, but for mm-hmm. overall, it was, it was, I wanted it. And so did Jay, it to be our casket match. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the it, at doubles, it was standing room only. The, it was packed in there and everyone was just going nuts for that match. And I, I looked back and I, I'm not sure if there's ever been a casket match in Winnipeg history. So it could very well be the first one. So I think it definitely says something about both of you and the work that you put into the match. I think there have been, but that was going, that's going back like years and years ago, mm-hmm. maybe at Chalmers at one point in time, but you'd have to ask some of the older guys from that. But uh, You mentioned Chalmers. Did you ever go to any of those older, uh, local shows growing up uh no i actually didn't know they they were around okay so So, okay what are some of the matches that stand out to you that you've been a part of whether it's matches or feuds just the ones that uh not necessarily you know the ones everyone else are into but the ones that will always stand the test of time to you uh one of my favorite matches and you can actually find that on uh on YouTube, it's uh, it's in Thunder Bay. It's myself and AJ versus the Kingdom, TK O'Reilly and Vili Marcelia against mm-hmm. Mentolo and uh, Roy Gordon. Okay, for the tag team title, we it it, it was a real it was it was a match that I really sort of came into myself where I went, you know, because I was remembering how this whole match went. I mean, we did like a 25-minute match, and I remembered where everyone was supposed to be and and was calling some of the spots for it, calling where people needed to be. Mm -hmm. And at one point in time, we did a Tower of Pain. And when 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 everyone landed, there was such a huge uproar from the crowd where – they went from uh holy shit holy shit to this is awesome like mm-hmm. that so and then at the end of the match uh they were so amped up into it i mean they we almost blew the roof off the off the place mm-hmm. so you when you're in a part of a match like that and you get that the crowd reaction like it just m- must just get you know the blood pumping even more like just put you on another level the blood's pumping the the hairs in your on your hand are, are just tingling i mean i remember i i could not sleep that night i was just so excited with how that went mm-hmm. and the fact that it also involved you know two uh of the top guys from ring of honor mm-hmm. so so i mean you're you're getting to share the ring with them you're being able to pick their brains what's the like the uh the best sort of thing that they were able to provide to you in the ring uh just getting me to be more confident in myself mm-hmm. you know when i go in there you know making sure because you know after have you know, been after all the training and, and going on the road um you have to have confidence in yourself and what you're doing and that's just not with with wrestling. That's with everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're someone who has to make a presentation, if you go in to make that presentation, and you're um um, uh, but if you you're you're probably you know, no one's going to care what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But when you go in there with the confidence of 
hey, this is what I have to say to you. You're going to listen. You know, whatever you're presenting or trying to sell, you're, you're going to be more successful at it. Mm-hmm. And with the kingdom, it was, uh, they were more, they were helpful because they could see that I was trying. Mm-hmm. So. I think that definitely goes a long way. Uh, they, they see it with you, you know, you're putting in the effort, you're trying yeah. to better yourself and improve. It, it goes a long way for them respecting you and being more helpful than to someone who's doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, another match that I, that makes me stand out was my first uh, barroom brawl with Danny Duggan. Okay. Where uh, it was at the spin the wheel, make a deal. And uh, it wound up being a barroom brawl where I ended up drinking a half a bottle of Tabasco sauce. <laughs> How much did you hate that afterwards? The initially it was fine, but then mm. as um, the match was going, you know, I'm trying to breathe, and every breath I take <laughs> in is hot sauce, is Tabasco sauce. Uh, yeah, I mean. It, it you- go- by the end of it, I was just, I was gasping for air, not necessarily because I was out of, well, because well, I was a little bit out of shape, but it was also because, you know, Tabasco in the mouth. <laughs> Clamoring for someone to bring you a glass of milk and everyone's wondering why. Yeah. Well, it's funny because everyone's, everyone's saying, oh, do you want to sip on my beer? Do you want to sip on my beer? I was like, you're not going to give me your beer. So. <laughs> Now, some of those bar shows that you've done at Rookies, you know, what's the uh, the overall vibe like? You know, is it? It seems to be like a fun sort of atmosphere. It is. It's uh, it's an atmosphere of everyone. Like they like they know the product, they know what they want to get, and they know what they're going to see. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a great place for if you're a young wrestler and you want to learn the business. It's a great uh, venue to go to because mm-hmm. you know it's. Rook, uh, CWE has always had an open concept when it comes to rookies. Okay. So it doesn't matter how how many years you've been in the business, whether you've been in it for one year or 40 years or, you know, what your skill level is, you'll go there and you'll have someone to, to work with and you'll get better. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Now, I mean, every time I've seen you, you get the crowd going. Uh, it, it must you must take some enjoyment out of that just being able to be an absolute jerk and getting all the heat and all the booze towards you oh i love it <laughs> i love it mm-hmm. uh, it's uh at one point in time uh when i first started at rookies that a group of them were chanting diabetes okay just out of nowhere just like, diabetes <laughs> And I just loved it. Mm-hmm. I was trying not to laugh, but you know. And but then when I tagged in AJ, they would yell, "Hard attack! Hard attack!" So, have I mean, for as long as I've seen you in the ring, you've always been, you know, a heel, been a bad guy. Have you ever, you know, switched aside and been, you know, on the cheering end of things? Very seldom. It's mm-hmm. it, they've been this odd show here and there, but. Okay, that's fair enough. But mostly, mostly a heel. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you guys just wrapped up the uh, the CWE I pay per view in October. Uh, yeah. How how did that run for you guys? The one out in uh, for the Rumble. Yes, yes, the Rumble. Um, it was good. Um. It was unfortunate because of all these COVID restrictions. I would have liked to have been, you know, in front of an audience again. I would have liked to, like, I I would have liked to have been more like the one at Lilac. Okay. But that's because when we were at the Lilac Resort, it was packed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know from when I looked at the footage of it, it reminded me of so much of WCW's Bash at the Beach. Okay. Just from the way it looked and, and the, like with the crowd and being in the middle, you know, outdoors, it gave that really good finesse look to it. Mm-hmm. But then unfortunately, and this is nobody's fault. I mean, when the government comes down with these restrictions, it affects everyone yeah. you know, from, from us to the good life fitness to the guy who runs a restaurant. 
Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when they said that, you know, you can only have X amount of people, well, then, you know, that's just the way she goes. Yeah. There's only so much that you guys can do. It's, I mean, you, you ought to follow along or it's just the way it is. So, I mean, I know that I'm looking forward to when there are, you know, they can have crowds back and everything because I mean, for yourself, that must be something just chomping at the bit, waiting to get that, you know, reaction, getting the crowd amped up because I feel like they're just going to be on another level. Well, not just that, but I mean, like when we did the show in Saskatoon, you know, a grandfather came up to me and AJ and was saying how uh, this was the first show he's been able to take his grandson to since the pandemic started and how, how excited his, his grandson was to get out of the house and, you know, being able to, you know, do shows like this i mean because like for the last one we're going on two years now um you know with people being stuck to stay at home i mean you can you can only watch so many shows on netflix yeah and i mean and as great as you know the network and fight tv and parent and, and all these other and youtube and are for watching wrestling nothing will replace the actual being in the audience and seeing, you know, the wrestlers up close. Mm-hmm. So, when you have a situation like that, where you know the grandfather he's brought his grandson to the thing, you know, it must really put a lot of things like just how much you can affect other people's lives. Yes. Well, I mean, the the thing is, is um, wrestling's a unique entity. I mean, for, for the people, I mean, you, you either understand it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And the ones who understand it have a connection to it. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, like you said, you, know, you saw me going from, you know, uh, you know a beginner at, you know, at rookies and, and now I'm, I'm going across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's something, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to put to words, but you know, you, 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 you can only experience that by going and seeing the live shows mm-hmm. and just, just to be around that, that sort of audience and that aura that we all feed off each other. I mean, even when, even when one side of the ring hates uh, one crowd is cheering and the other crowd is booing. I mean, it's, it, it just, it creates that just an aura. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. It, it definitely does. It just, it adds the environment and just the overall, experience of wrestling you know because you you, when you have things like that it just it takes it to another level it makes it just that little bit more memorable and just the 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 overall sort of vibe to it all yeah and the thing is i mean and with uh, some of these markets i mean you you've got fans you've got fans that live for it Mm -hmm. i mean i've had plenty of people like when i've been posting on my instagram and, and what have you Asking, you know, when are you coming back to, to Regina? When are you coming back to, to Mooseman? When are you coming back to Calgary? You know, are you, are you going to come and wrestle for this promotion? When is this happening? And because they, they want that part of their lives back. Mm-hmm. So. I, I see it regularly on the, the CWE, the posts, you know, fans from all across Canada saying, when are you guys coming back to Fort McMurray? When are you guys coming back to yeah. Grand Prairie and all of that? So it's just clamoring to have that experience again and just the excitement for when it does happen. And when they're not asking, when are you coming back? It's, I want you to come back. Mm-hmm. So that's... It's, it definitely says a lot for what the, you know, the tours are giving people. The, um, I was going to ask... Um, were there any cities that you've been to that, you know, defied your expectations that really stood out to you as, you know, very memorable? Ooh, um, Calgary mm-hmm. is one. Calgary and Edmonton, they're, they're such beautiful cities. It's, 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 it's breathtaking at times when you look out and you, you come out and you look at the river and you go, wow, this is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, driving through the mountains of BC um, thunder or driving through to thunder Bay, you know, driving that, that whole Ontario loop. I mean, mm-hmm. it's yeah. So, so there's, there's quite a few. <laughs> um, 2021. I mean, you had a very action packed year as, as much as you could with 
all the yeah. restrictions with 2022, you know, here now, what's on the docket for yourself? Well, uh, in two weeks, I'm going with CWE to uh, the show in Grand Prairie. Yeah. And then I'm sticking out there and doing two shows for Can-Am. Nice. And then uh, there's the iPay-Per-View on February 4th. Mm-hmm. And after that, uh, there's a couple TV tapings booked, and then there's nothing really sort of you you totally just encapsulated all the stuff i was going to be like oh we got the eye pay-per-view coming up so uh you yeah. know what, let's talk about that you got all well, that over it again it. so uh, <laughs> but yeah well the thing is is it's kind of hard to really finalize any bookings right now because i mean knock on wood multiple times but you know in reality next month depending what the the government feels mm-hmm. And depending on what these COVID numbers are, you never know when the next lockdown is coming. You never know when the next boundary restrictions are coming or what the next boundary restrictions are. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like with, you know, the beginning of January, because there were more shows announced and then having those postponed. And it's just like, it seems like we're getting a little bit closer. And then all of a sudden it just kind of gets taken right away just because of all the numbers increasing and the restrictions. Yeah, I had two shows canceled already, and mm-hmm. you know, and they were supposed to be at the start of the new year, and you know, here we are. We're not even seven days into the new year, and you know, two of those shows were already canceled. So mm-hmm. I was looking, going, "Oh, geez, here we go again." But <laughs> are there any places? But then again, there's nothing you can do about. It. Like I said before, there's nothing we can do about that. No, not at all. We're at the whim of the what the the restrictions and what they're, you know, the overall what they're laying down for us so it's i mean we can complain or be upset but it doesn't change the overall mandate for it yeah i mean well the thing is is there's only so much you can complain and you can do about the the situation i mean when you're complaining about things that are out of your control you're just you know venting Mm -hmm. and the thing is is and you can only complain about the same thing for so long so often i mean by now we know you know we know some some things will happen and some things won't so yeah it's if it comes to the point where it's something that you're always complaining about always fixated on just bitching about it it's like you almost have to take the step back and be like you know what i just need to not hear about it whether it's you know turning off the news when they start talking about it or not looking at daily numbers anything like that just to separate yourself and give you that sort of space you also have to be, pre- be prepared to walk away from some people. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and as much as I hate to say this, I mean, there are times you have to walk away from some people just because of the fact that they're going on and on and on about it. And, you know, you can only hear that so many times. And, and now it's at the point where I know there's some people I just don't even bring it up. Yeah. Like at one point in time, uh, at a social party, the two things you didn't talk about was politics and religion. Well, mm-hmm. now it's politics, religion, and COVID. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I know the vibe because when it, you know, COVID first hit and, you know, everyone's worried, not knowing anything about it. I mean, it was something that at work we would talk about all the time, regularly. And now it's gotten to the point where with the different viewpoints and just the complaining and, uh, being upset about it. it's just something that i just separate myself from i just tune it out i just can't deal with it you know well in the beginning okay so you know, we, we were all unaware of this i mean because there's this new virus and i mean when you look at the history of viruses and plagues you know it, it starts off usually with animals mm-hmm. so i mean i could i could understand at that point you know well you know okay fine we'll we'll for everyone's safety, we'll take these precautions. But then as the, the days became weeks and the weeks became months and the months became what's almost two years, I mean, I've got my opinions on it. You've got your opinions on it. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is my opinion on it, your opinion on it does not matter. Nope. Because we're not, neither one of us is the prime minister. Neither one of us are our premiers. Neither one of us are the health officials. And we're under their mandate. So when they make a decision, like there's no more alcohol sold at 10 o'clock, I may think that's dumb. 
you may think that's dumb, but that's just, that's all we can do. And when they say to the crowd sizes, well, you can you can only have this many people, or else you'll be facing a fine. You know, some of those fines are, you know, it takes a it takes a long time to pay some of these fines off. Mm-hmm. Now, so, granted, some of these uh, you know some places have been better with others with working with us, but mm-hmm. with yourself are there any places that you do want to travel to to go because you have made your way up across canada have you wanted to dip down to the states have you wanted to go to europe or anywhere like that i have wanted to go to europe i did aj and i I was planning it at one point and then covid Mm -hmm. um i've i've thought about mexico Mm -hmm. and but my one of my big goals is i want to hit every province okay what and so far uh, Quebec and the Maritimes. Okay. So, so. I mean, it, all you got to do is that one trek out there and you can bang off all of them and, you know, hopefully one go around. That would be nice. That would be ideal. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So after you hit the provinces, is it the territories next? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Unless you've already dipped up there and just didn't mention it. No, I've never gone up there. So it would be a, you know, I am a glutton for punishment. So yeah. <laughs> An interesting experience. Well, the thing is, is it's an interesting experience no matter where you go. I mean, mm-hmm. like, um, uh, like for example, when you, there's a big difference between you do like a show out in Calgary compared to doing a show at like Barron's River. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, those unique experiences only come when you are willing to go out there and put the miles in and put yourself out there and go and say, "Hey, I want to do this. What do I have to do to do to get there?" Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, it definitely says something when you do put yourself in that position where you can go and do like a show in say Barron's River or do smaller towns that might not be familiar with, you know, I don't want to say familiar, but not always be able to get shows regularly, you know, whereas yeah. a, a main city and it happens every week or every two weeks, it's sort of you take it for granted. So you go out to a smaller town, you're able to take in more of, you know, the community and the overall aspect of what's going on there. Well, in 2018, uh, CWE was doing a rural initiative where they're doing all the towns around Winnipeg. Okay. So like uh, Toulon, Gimli, uh, Morden, Winkler, all of them. Mm-hmm. And it was, well, Morden's already part of the, the tour, but it was interesting going to some of these towns and, and just seeing how, what, what they have for entertainment there. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and then when you didn't get the, if you didn't say have a big crowd there, when you, you know, when at, at uh, intermission, when they're coming to buy your, you know, merch and that, just talking to them and, you know, pitching yourself to, hey, you know, the next time we come here, you know, you should really bring some of your friends. Mm-hmm. So, with, you know, yourself, are there anyone, whether it's locally in Winnipeg or, you know, elsewhere in Canada who you may not have had the chance to step in the ring with. Is there anyone that you're looking forward to face? Um, I look forward to uh, facing anybody and everybody, to be honest with you. I mean, there are some people in Alberta I'd still like to have some matches with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm look forward to having matches with everybody because mm-hmm. there's something to be learned from working with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, I, the match I have with Adam Knight, the outlaw Adam Knight mm-hmm. is going to be a lot different from say the match I have with say, Oh, I don't know. Um, Jacob Creed. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned the upcoming iPay-per-view. Uh, when and where is that happening? It is happening February 4th. The taping is in Stonewall. Okay. Uh, you're going to go to CW. If you go to CWE's uh, Facebook page, you can get all the details as to how you could be part of the audience. And also how you can, if you can't make it into, to, to be part of the, or the, uh, to be part of it, uh, you can, how you can watch it online. Perfect. And with the, uh, the upcoming show in Grand Prairie, uh, what about that for anyone out West listening and especially the, also the two shows with uh, Can-Am? 
Uh, if you go to their respected Facebook pages, you'll, you can see all their uh, ticket information and where tickets can be had and uh, who will be, uh, who I'll be facing. Perfect. Um, oh. I got two more for you, then I'll let you go and enjoy sure. this uh, very cold evening here. Um, if you were to change one thing about wrestling currently, what are you changing? Um, I'd like to see more promotions in certain areas. Because like right now, when there isn't a show in Winnipeg, I have to drive 12 hours to either Calgary or 14 hours to Edmonton. It would be nice if there was some more like within the driving distance. Mm -hmm. No, that is with that. It's something I've always thought of. Like when I, for the podcast, it's, I like to focus on things within driving distance of Winnipeg because it's easy just to make that trek out to Saskatchewan if there's a show or dipping down to North Dakota. So just having those options, you know, it definitely goes a long way. Well, if you live in North Dakota, I know a lot of the guys, uh, some of the guys that wrestle there, Mm -hmm. uh, they hit up their shows in North Dakota, they hit up South Dakota, they hit up Minneapolis or uh, Minnesota and even Mm -hmm. go as far as Green Bay because those aren't, you know, too far to drive from mm-hmm. and there's also multiple towns that you can get in you can get in more than one show you know per month mm-hmm. so and and don't get me wrong i love the drive out to alberta but it's a long one. Oh fuck is it ever <laughs> i mean i mean when i've done the drive up from grand prairie mm-hmm. i mean that's that's an overnight drive and a half mm-hmm so, I mean, even like uh, that for the psychosis tour, when I had to drive the truck out to uh, Golden, BC, mm-hmm. you know, I left early, early in the morning and I still didn't get there till about, you know, midway through the next day. Now, granted, I'm driving across the country, yeah. but, you know, you feel like when you're doing something like that, there should be more around, you, you know, like having more towns, more stops along the way and not just barren land for a good chunk of it yeah i mean it's a beautiful country but mm-hmm. you know when you're driving through it at one in the morning and it's just you the timbleweeds and the deer that you can't see you know yeah. <laughs> um okay two more for you i i have to sure. ask uh all time your favorite matches as a fan that you've watched favorite matches i've had that i watched um brad hart versus stone cold at wrestlemania 11 13 i think 13 13 yes it was 13 10 yeah 13 um i really enjoyed that one because you could see a turn happening without you even knowing it Mm mm-hmm just the way Bret Hart, you know, at the start of the match, they were booing Stone Cold and cheering Bret. And by the end of it, they had made it so it was flipped. Mm-hmm. And just like that image of Stone Cold looking up from the, the, the sharpshooter, blood pouring out his eyes. Just that image, you know, mm-hmm. just really... Um, uh also uh ec the first ecw one night stand uh the dudley boys versus uh tommy dreamer and sandman okay because now they've edited it because you know because of copyright reasons but when sandman originally came out he came out to enter the sandman mm-hmm. and the whole stadium is singing enter the sandman to the point that you can't hear uh, Mick Foley and uh, Joey Styles commentating. Mm-hmm. Like at one point in that time, they even said, "You know, they're singing along." So, oh, those are two uh, two classics. There, it's uh, the Dudleys and Dreamer Sandman. I mean, it's such a throwback to the history of ECW. There, it was a great way to capsulize it on that pay per view. That's one of my favorite pay per views, just mm-hmm. because of. The re- to me that really embodied the spirit of ECW because you had everything from 
you know, opening with Chris Jericho versus Lance Storm, mm-hmm. the uh, three-way ECW match with Super Crazy, Nunzio, and Tajiri, you know, even seeing Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero. Mm-hmm. So. Now, last but not least, uh, 2022, can we get a prediction for Kevin O'Doyle in the ring? Um, you're going to see me doing our trying to get as many shows as I can once again. Um, I've gotten a little bit wiser. I've gotten a little bit healthier. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully you're going to be able to see me doing more, being able to do more. Perfect. So well, that's, uh, I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing you in the ring again, live. And now for everyone listening along, where can they find you online? A chance to plug yourself, your social medias and such. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at uh, Kevin O'Doyle rules. And uh, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. Kevin, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Thank you for having me. And uh, one more thing before we go. You bet. Doyle rules. I won't lie. I think that was one of my uh, favorite endings to an interview. And like, how can you go wrong with hearing in a Doyle rules? But thank you so much to Kevin O'Doyle for joining me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. If you're out in Grand Prairie on uh, the 20th, definitely uh, check out the show or rent the iPay-Per-View February 4th. Like I said earlier, check out the CWE Facebook or Twitter pages for all the details. They'll get you set up. But once again, thank you to Kevin for joining me. I truly appreciate it. And thank you for listening. I said it before, I'll always say it. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. So if this is your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GrainmakerPod. Uh, email GrainmakerPodcast at gmail.com. Let me know uh, questions, comments, concerns. Maybe there's a guest you would like to see me talk to, and I will do my best to get them. But uh, Facebook, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, and all the podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you could rate and review all that sort of stuff, I'd appreciate it. Uh, And if you know someone who might be interested in the podcast, maybe send them a link or send them uh, the Twitter account and, you know, just share the word of fantastic Canadian independent wrestling. But thank you again for taking your time to listen. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon.